Great, thank you very much. Uh, good evening and thank you again for coming along uh, today. Uh, let's let's um, commit our time to, to the Lord. Uh, Father, we, we do ask that you help us to learn and grow together this evening. Um, help uh, make things clear in our minds about some of these very uh, complex and difficult topics and areas. And, and whilst we're, we're learning, um, continue to uh, place a, a vision uh, in our hearts for how the church uh, can play a very helpful part in uh, responding well to people who are struggling with mental health issues in our communities. So we thank you again for this time and uh, give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Uh, this evening, the first session is on addiction. Uh, just before that, can I uh, mention that during the uh, break time, I will leave uh, sort of an envelope and some cards. If anybody would like to raise uh, any questions or make any comments, uh, but maybe don't feel so easy to do it in a bigger group, like, like I would not feel that, uh, feel, write it down and uh, put it in the envelope, and if there's time later on, we can address it together at, at the end of the second session. So just to make you aware of that. Right. Um, <clears throat> so by way of int introduction, the topic of um, addiction is, is a very tricky one. Um, it's such a, such a difficult area, and anyone who is, well, caught up in addiction themselves, anyone who is trying to help somebody in the throes of addiction will know, and this is not straightforward, right? It's not simply a matter of just stop. Um, well, maybe in the very, 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 very early stages, maybe that might, might, might be the approach, but once somebody has become addicted to something, then it's... It becomes a, quite a, a complex uh, helping process. The, the capacity for addiction to ruin lives and ruin families and ruin marriages and ruin businesses is, I think, uh, really self-evident. Uh, we can't, un can't underestimate the, the impact of, of an unaddressed addiction in someone's life. Uh, some of the most frustrating uh, situations that I hear about come from uh, family members, loved ones who are trying to help people who are struggling with an addiction and uh, hitting their head off a brick wall because they can't get through and the person won't acknowledge there's a problem and they won't seek help and they feel so uh, really frustrated at not being able to, to help. And maybe that's some of your experience here today. And like I said earlier, it takes uh, really concentrated effort to um, tackle 
addiction, especially at the more severe end, it takes uh, approaching from many different angles and different agencies involved. And certainly the person on their own is very unlikely to be able to recover themselves. And even with one person, two people, it can still be quite hard. You need quite a collection of um, supports to, to get through and to recover. I normally start with the, some th- uh, thought about definitions. Uh, I have given you one in the next slide. I've given you, uh, just printed out a, uh, now I know it says short definition. <laughs> the, the, there is a long definition, which is longer than that, but this is the short definition. And I, I put that, I'm not going to read all of it, but it's just a very meaty, a very uh, kind of evidence-based, um, quite a, comprehensive, short, tish uh, definition, which I'll, I'll, I'll let you read in your, in your, own, in your own time. Um, in, the, in the classification manuals, nowadays the term is substance use disorders. Uh, the word addiction doesn't really, uh, isn't really used clinically. You, you, you'd be surprised to, to know. Um, and in fact, when, when clinicians think about addiction, we usually think about um, a more severe end of the spectrum of substance use um, to the point where somebody has become dependent uh, on the substance or the process. So in, in, our, in clinicians' mind, we sort of equate addiction with um, a, a dependence, and we don't kind of use it for just everything, you know addicted to shopping or Netflix. I mean, th- that can be quite serious too. So <laughs> I'm sure you can be dependent on that, but generally speaking, you know, it's a, it's a different thing perhaps we're talking about. Um, one, one way of thinking about addiction is addiction to substances and addiction to processes. And again, the main categories in the classification systems are alcohol and drugs, obviously, and then, uh, would you believe, gambling and gaming, and in the latest versions of the class, gaming has now become a, a, a recognized disorder. And this is controversial. Some people would say, you know, that's taking it a bit too far. But it's actually in, in the diag- diagnostic manuals now. Um, gaming, dis- gaming disorder. All the parents, teenagers are nodding their head. Yes, I, I, I have personal experience. I see this. Uh, now, now that we think about the, this, this, again, spectrum of uh, problems relating to substance use. And this is, this is mainly for substances, alcohol and drugs. Yeah? And again, uh, clinically, when you're, when you're working, you, you see different presentations uh, related to the substance of use. So somebody could be um, ac- acutely intoxicated. And if anybody goes to the A&E department at any time of the day <laughs> or works there, uh, you, you'll come across that scenario. Um, and then there's a harmful use where the pattern of use is become, becoming harmful 
to the health or their level of functioning, but not yet at a dependent level or a, a full-blown addiction, which should be the next slide. Also, when we're dealing with addiction, we've got to think not just the intoxication, but the potential for problems when they withdraw or if they suddenly stop using uh, the substance. Uh, and actually, for alcohol, that can be very dangerous. Uh, people can get seizures and, you know, uh, hallucinations and become really quite physically unwell. It's a, it's a medical emergency in some cases. Um, so therefore, you know, sometimes the uh, withdrawal uh, uh, is more dangerous than the uh, excessive use itself in some cases. And then sometimes the use of uh, substances can cause other mental disturbances and people can have psychotic symptoms. And with uh, long-term, persistent, heavy use, then it can begin to affect the actual substance of the brain and brain cells die and memory is affected and people can get an am amnesic syndrome. Uh, so dependence then, and um, so again, this is what, what I think of when somebody says they're addicted to something, I'm thinking uh, they are dependent on something in, in the sense of this definition here. Um, this is a clever mnemonic which I did not come up, uh, I, got, I pinched this from somewhere else. Uh, but uh, if you think about the features, um, there is a compulsion to use the substance. We're using alcohol as an example, so there's a compulsion to drink, uh, usually in, in, a, in a kind of a set pattern or the similar, similar kind of routine, similar uh, uh, types of drink. Uh, there's, an, there's, an, there's an awareness somewhere in the psyche, there's an awareness of harm, uh, but a continuation of the behavior anyway. Um, there's a neglect of other things which are more important and which should be a priority. There's a phenomenon of uh, tolerance. Tolerance means uh, needing uh, increasing amounts to get the same effect yeah? or the body getting used to a certain level of use. And uh, that's problematic because you know, there's only so much your body can take and if you need to take more and more to get the same effect, then at some point you're going to be, you know, overdosing on, on the substance. Um, stopping can lead to withdrawal symptoms, sweaty and shaky in the, t in the case of alcohol. The time being preoccupied with its use increases and takes over the rest of life. Um, the, the use is out of control, so that find it extremely difficult to stop. And, and, and just saying just stop is quite impossible for them to follow. And then there's persistent, futile attempts to, to cut down. Uh, there's a futility to, to it all. So th those are some of the features of uh, dependence and what I think of as uh, kind of true addiction. 
to, to a substance. Throwing up a few statistics, again, I've taken this from other sources. Uh, Department of Health has some figures. 11% of those who drank in the week prior to the survey were likely to have a problem with alcohol. There is an all-island drug prevalence survey. Uh, lifetime usage of any illegal drug, 27.7%. Um, and then there are some figures on alcohol and drug-related deaths. So between um, 90 to 300 deaths per year in Northern Ireland. Uh, one way to think about addiction is to apply uh, by now, which is by now uh, the very, very familiar approach to, to you, thinking bio biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. Um, and again, uh, they all come into it. They all matter. Um, and with addiction, uh, I think, you know, it's worth emphasizing uh, not to underestimate the biology <laughs> behind it and, and the very real chemical changes that happen and the buzz that people feel and the, the boosting of the reward system um, and also how things get ingrained in your, in your brain um, uh, networks are formed, pathways of thought are formed in your, in your brain. Uh, and if you repeat something over and over again, it, it becomes habitual, becomes second nature, it becomes quite fixed and very hard then to, to change. And these are very real kind of physical things that uh, should be kept in mind. Lots of, lots of psychology behind Addictions, of course, um, usually there's some kind of conflict or unresolved issue or unmet need which the person is trying to uh, address. Um, the, the substance use can be a way that the person avoids having to deal with issues because it's too painful to think about or too difficult to think about. Um, and, and that then becomes a problem. So uh, people get into the vicious cycle of trying to cope with a problem by introducing another problem and creating new problems. Uh, the social factors are very relevant. So uh, uh, people who are addicted, you know, usually have, are facing some kind of um, stress, significant situational stress in life, whether it's in their work or their family or their relationships. Um, there's something which is putting pressure on the person. Uh, the influence of peers is very powerful in schools and in society um, at, at large and, again, can't be underestimated. And then there's... Uh, quite a bit of talk about, you know, how much is the availability of substances a, a contributory factor and if we increase the price of alcohol, would that uh, reduce the, the amount of people who are misusing alcohol? These things have been debated for a long time and there are two sides to the, to the, to the story. 
Uh, from a spiritual point of view, uh, it's a little bit more, a little bit more uh, tricky to get your head around, but I kind of think about it as, you know, people, everyone has needs, everyone has deep desires, everyone has uh, things that need to be fulfilled in their lives, lives, and if it's not, um, if they're not met in a healthy way, um, unhealthy things can take their place. Um, addiction is, I suppose, you can think about it sometimes as, you know, we are uh, placing um, our own needs and our own desires and our own cravings um, above anything else. It becomes the most important thing in our lives uh, that we would go to the extremes to get hold of and to keep using. And really, we are sort of um, elevating our own desires and kind of displacing uh, God uh, from the throne of, of our lives and from, from being first place in our lives. Okay, uh, I've shown this slide in every talk in this series, and it's the same one, exactly the same. Again, to reiterate the point that uh, when we're thinking about mental health conditions, mental health issues, uh, we try and think broadly. We try and think holistically. Um, these are complex areas that require a, a multifaceted response to them. Uh, so no kind of simplistic answers and no pat answers when we're trying to help people with um, mental health problems. Also, that slide also, uh, I think, demonstrates that, that there can be a role for everyone, you know. Uh, I, I challenge you, you could, you could fit yourself in to, to some part of that helping system, helping scheme, you know, even if you were willing to be a friend to the person or willing to provide a good listening support or willing to go for a walk with somebody to uh, improve their, their physical, uh, their exercise level. You know, there's, there's a place for everyone to contribute to as part of the overall helping package, not just professionals, not just pastors, not just people with special, special training. So that's the other reason why that slide appears every week. Drawing out then some uh, more specific principles in relation to um, addiction, I've highlighted uh, three uh, big principles First one is uh, safety. So, obviously, if you're in a situation where somebody is uh, using dangerously, either to their health or to the risk of aggression to others, or it's affecting um, childcare, uh, or the house could be set on fire through neglect, then you're into a kind of a, a crisis emergency where you've got to think, now, what do I need to do to keep this person safe? What do I need to do to keep other people safe? Uh, does there need to be an intervention of some kind? Do I need to call the police? Do, does something need to happen 
to keep things safe. Um, again, tricky, because at what point do you overrule uh, somebody's reluctance to accept help? If somebody denies that there's a problem, at what point can you say, I, I know that's what you're saying, but you know the risks to yourself and other people are too high, um, and we've got to do something and do something now. That can be very tricky. Um, the, the, other, the other tricky thing about addictions is it's, it's um, an, an area that isn't really covered um, under mental health legislation in Northern Ireland. It's one of the exclusions, you know, and this can lead to a lot of, again, a lot of frustrations um, when you see somebody who is literally uh, drinking themselves to death um, and yet there is no... Uh, legal basis to compel that person to receive treatment in hospital, um, even if it was to save their life. You know? So this is a, a, a tricky area. Um, and again, unfortunately, some people just have to hit rock bottom and end up in a crisis and end up unconscious and end up with a broken fractured skull before they get into a hospital setting for an attempt at treatment. You know, I'm talking about the extreme, extreme cases. But we're, we're trying to think safety, first of all. Yeah. Secondly, uh, the second principle is you know, containment, by which I mean uh, uh, control of the use of the substance. Yeah? And ideally, we're talking cessation or abstinence or stopping, which is the right approach for some people, but not everyone, because some people are simply not able to stop using completely. And if you set that as a target, then they're just going to, uh, you're going to set them up for failure, and they're going to keep failing and feel pretty bad about it. Um, so it's again, it's ju- it's agreeing what is a re- realistic target for that uh, that person. Um, now, uh, uh, in some cases, then uh, the the best that one could hope for is to have controlled use. So try and reduce by as much as possible, by as much as they can they can manage and cope with. Yeah. And in some uh, cases, with uh, drug use, especially with when there's in, use, using uh, drugs, injecting drugs, and the, and the risks of in, injecting and, and contamination. You know, there, there are programs to, okay, you know, if, if you can't stop doing that, let's at least let's try and reduce the harm as much as possible. It'll give you clean needles and 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 a, and a, and a, a clean environment to 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 use in a safer way as possible. So there are different grades of uh, what you would expect somebody uh, to contain their behavior and to control their behavior. And, and of course, uh, uh, going back to the point where the withdrawal can be even more dangerous than the ongoing use, you want to be a bit careful if somebody is using very heavily uh, and they're known to have to get very bad withdrawal symptoms you want to be cautious about telling them, you know, you need to stop <laughs> straight away everything. You know, and that could precipitate problems. So a, a, a little caution with, with, with that. Some people need to 
um, uh, taper off and uh, get some medication to help them come off their substance so that they don't have a, a severe physical reaction. And then, so once you've uh, considered safety and considered containment, then you're in a more of a position to think about treatment. And treatment is, again, uh, holistic. Uh, usually, it is of a psychological nature. Uh, medication has a small part to play in addictions. There are things that help people with cravings. Um, there are things which help people uh, substitute for more dangerous drugs like heroin. There are things that can be prescribed to try and give a safer alternative. But generally speaking, uh, the work is mainly psychosocial, um, helping people deal with their emotions, helping people deal with their unresolved conflicts, deal with their trauma, deal with their relationships, deal with their workplace stress, deal with their expectations, deal with their perfectionism, and the list is endless. And that, that's the work of, of therapy, the work of treatment which is all easier said than done because in addictions, the key concept is uh, motivation. Uh, some people talk about um, being will willing, able, and ready to change, and, and not everyone is in that position. Um, and it, it is the thing that uh, we try and target when you're helping somebody with addiction, because if they're not motivated, if, they don't, if they're not taking uh, responsibility, if they're not taking ownership of it, then they really aren't gonna, going to make a lot of progress uh, in the long term. Um, so, this is... Some of you would have seen that this is just one way of describing the different uh, stages that somebody goes through when it comes to change. You know? And perhaps we can all identify with this. And there is such a thing as a, as a pre-contemplation stage where you're not even thinking about change. You, 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 don't, even, you don't even acknowledge that there's a problem. You know, and if, if somebody is in the pre-contemplation stage, then the work uh, gets quite hard and, and the, the aim is to move them on to, to the next step, which is contemplation, where they're beginning to think, mm, maybe this isn't such a good idea after all. Maybe it is leading to problems in, in my life. Uh, and then people move to beginning to think more seriously about change, even beginning to prepare to do something about it, uh, to actually doing something about it, the action, action stage, um, and then uh, keeping it going, doing things to maintain progress. Uh, some people then get out of the cycle and achieve lasting change, although that takes a lifelong uh, uh, continued effort over a lifetime. And then very commonly people lapse and start using again and... and, and Go, go through the cycle over and over and over and over again, which is, which is you know, not, not a failure in a sense, you know, because every time you go through the cycle, um, the idea is that you learn more and more each time. You know, you sort of 
try and spiral upwards rather than spiral downwards, you know. So that this, there's some theory of, of change. Now, the, 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 um, the reason why that, that is uh, important to think about is to be able to match your approach to where the person is at. Because yeah? if there is a mismatch, then you get into unresolvable uh, conflict. So if you're telling somebody in a pre-contemplation stage the, the uh, six things that they need to do to sort out their life, deaf ears, right? Um, or at best, you, you'll get a superficial uh, uh, agreement and nothing else happens, you know. So your, so your approach in a pre-contemplation, contemplation is one of a motivational, trying to get people to see themselves, what the consequences of their actions and their behaviors are. And sometimes that involves having to step back and allow people to feel and experience the negative consequences uh, for themselves without shielding them too much. Protection is one thing, but without overshielding uh, someone. And that can be hard for a loved one to st- stand by and watch difficult things happen to the person you're trying to help. Um, so the, the, the concepts are sometimes, in fact, maybe most of the time, uh, thing, things have to get worse before they get better. And that phrase, rock bottom, people have to hit a point where they feel it is bad enough, I'm desperate enough, I've learned my lesson, uh, something needs to, to, to change, and something needs to change on the inside. Yeah. Also, the, uh, if you understand this, then you'll also uh, realize that um, feeling worse uh, is part of the process of, of getting better. Because uh, if, you think, if you think about it, if you're somebody who has blocked out your emotions uh, with alcohol, and if you are serious, if you've hit rock bottom and you want to change and you want to do something about it and you decide to uh, try and stop or reduce and cut down alcohol, what's going to happen to your emotions? Yeah? You're going to start feeling things which were previously blocked out. You know? And people will say, hey, you told me to do this. I'm feeling terrible <laughs> about it. You know, uh, uh, ever since I started seeing you, I'm feeling awful. <laughs> might be something to adjust, but it also might be that the person is uh, really uh, being more exposed to what's really going on and feeling the feelings more now in a more real way than they were before without escaping into the substance use. And and they can be encouraged. This This is a sign that you're actually, you know, getting more in touch with what's really going on in your life. Always a practical dilemma with addiction, uh, as when you're trying to help somebody, you're, you're, you're thinking, how much of this is can't, how much of this is won't? You know? How much of this is the person is generally in the grip of an, of an illness, of a, of a process which is bigger than them, uh, for which they, they, they simply are, do, cannot control? You know? And how much of it actually, well, actually, they're not trying hard enough. You know? they're not, they're not, they really aren't committed enough to this. They aren't making that tough decision in the moment, you know, and uh, like we all know about from, from life, you know, we, we get into the, these 
we ask ourselves these questions all the time, and, and the reality is it's, it's, it's both, right? It's, it's, it's a combination of some things we really can't do. Um, other things, you know, maybe we can put a bit more effort into it and, and try a bit harder, you know. Um, and it's just knowing how to push but not push too hard. Uh, addictions is the one area in mental health services which is quite open to self-referrals. And I think that's good because uh, until somebody is willing to get help, you can have 20 referrals from the GP, please see, please see, please see, <laughs> uh, until the person says, I want to be seen. Uh, so you want to, be, you want to give people the chance to uh, get help when they're ready. So I think the idea of being able to self-refer is a good one in this, in this area. Catch them when, when they're ready. ready. Uh, a, word to, a word to family and uh, uh, friends. Um, yeah, so it takes that uh, tricky blend of right, compassion concern and, and firmness and boundaries as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's not just about, you know, letting the person, supporting the person in every single way, uh, even when their behavior is very destructive. You know, there's a, there's a time to be firm. There's a time to ask people to leave the house if necessary. There's a time to um, let somebody be arrested and end up in police custody and go through um, a criminal justice uh, process in order to face the consequences of what, what they're, they're doing. That's, that can all be done in the context of, of compassion and support. Uh, it takes courage and skill to confront, to, to, uh, to know when and how to confront somebody and speak openly and honestly. Um, uh, uh, so even though somebody is in denial, uh, it doesn't mean that at different points we don't try and remind the person that you're concerned about them, that this is what you see. If you can be specific about, you know, this is what I've noticed about your life. Uh, do you know last week this happened and yesterday you said this to this person in this way and this happened. And so, so being able to have those honest conversations um, takes courage and skill and then uh, lots of prayer and lots of persistence obviously uh, we'll, we'll talk more about carers in the next session uh, support groups are very well established and well known uh, in addictions. now again this is focused on alcohol sp specifically so I think everybody would have heard of um, AA um, I suspect a lot of people will know AA has sort of kind of kind of Christian roots. Um, that's a bit too small to read the twelve steps, but you can Google that very easily. You know, they have it's founded on the twelve step program. The first step being, you know, I'm powerless to change, and the second step being, you know, I need to submit my inability to change to God, and AA says, uh, as you define him to be, <laughs> to, to leave it very, very open. Uh, there's a Christian version of AA called Celebrate Recovery. I don't know, has anybody come across it? I don't think it's 
come to Northern Ireland yet is in England, certainly in the States. Um, uh, Rick Warren's Saddleback, massive Saddleback Church uh, dri- drives this forward, but it's, it's a sort of a Christian version of the 12, 12 step program. And then uh, for people who are affected by people who are struggling with addictions, there's L. Al Anon, which I think is very, very, can be very helpful because um, people really do need to learn how to cope. And how, how, who else better to learn from than people who are actually, who have been along the journey before and who can give very practical tips of what to say and how to say it and when to say it and so on. The church and uh, addictions uh, definitely can play a part. Um, uh, needs to have thought and preparation before launching in. Uh, can be very draining and taxing. Uh, so it's not something to take on lightly. Uh, I'm sure any church that's doing any kind of gospel ministry is bound to be attracting people who struggle with all sorts of addictions. Well, I hope so anyway. (laughs) It's a good sign if people are attracted, looking for something in your church. Um, The church can play a part in being a stable community. Uh, The life of an addict is chaotic, uh, messy, dangerous, uh, even having a place to belong, uh, being part of a home group that meets faithfully um, and, and talks wisdom on a regular basis, uh, having the structure of services and other activities itself can be very helpful. So the structure and the accountability that the church can, can provide. Um, for some people, they need literally need someone to check up on them every day or several times a day. Uh, Some people benefit from being able to reach out to somebody by text or by WhatsApp, whatever, whatever, if they're they're struggling in the moment to, to be able to give them that bit more of a chance to resist and to overcome. And uh, if, if the church can provide people like that and then like we've said before, you know, we are carriers of the, the greatest news, uh, the best, most transformative message in the gospel and how we steward that and how we um, speak that to people, how we teach people that, how we disciple people in that uh, at the right time when they're ready to hear it and to receive it uh, is crucial in the area of addiction. I said that there is a, there is a cost to, to all of this. It it's, can be pretty, pretty exacting and pretty tiring. I thought I'd uh, safe enough to push it a little bit by talking it's a little bit about the, the, the P word, which uh, uh, pornography, and, uh, which you can probably... Uh, you can probably guess, but um, 
whether or not this is an addiction is, is debatable. You know, some people talk about a, a sex addiction or a pornography addiction. Um, depends what you mean. Uh, if somebody is in such a grip to uh, a behavior that is evidently harmful to the person and they can't do anything and they can't break free and it really is causing significant problems, you know, maybe, maybe that's an appropriate term. Um, uh, others would say, well, you know, it really is about, this is more about behavior, this is more about learning healthier uh, uh, ways of, of coping and dealing with certain uh, uh, feelings and instincts and, and so on, and it's really more of a training thing, more of a, more of a, uh, a way of coping better with, with life and, and an, a, a, a more behavioral thing rather than an illness or an addiction itself. You know, I think one, one, can, one can debate. Um, but it's, it's, it's become a problem. Um, and it's become a problem in churches. And there are some uh, very scary uh, statistics of the number of uh, Christians who would admit to uh, regularly viewing pornography, uh, even Christian leaders, um, uh, fairly significant percentages um, of, of this going on. And, and uh, there's a particular sort of conflict that arises uh, for Christians who find themselves um, dealing with this or, or even struggling with this because it creates a kind of a, you know, what I call a spiritual dissonance, you know, where you know it's, you know, that person, you know, I know it's not healthy, it's not, it's, it's wrong, it's, 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 it's giving in to lust, uh, but at the same time, they're driven to do it, and, and it creates all sorts of guilt and shame that perhaps if somebody with a different moral framework or different um, ethical standard won't have that, that same level of conflict, you know. Um, I, I offer no uh, easy, easy answers. It's, it's a, a, a seminar in, its, uh, in itself. In fact, I think there was, a, there was a conference last year. Did anybody go to this? There was a, the P word conference. Did anyone go to that? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, surely, surely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's certainly an area that uh, the church again needs to speak up or have an approach to or have, be, be thinking about because it's. I mean, the the accessibility is 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 obvious. The the impact, uh, I think, is significant. Um, and I just put a few resources there that uh, are commonly recommended for this area. Every man's battle is a particular approach of really, you know, knowing how to avoid the triggers, knowing how to um, control the thought life, avoid temptation. Um, Tim, Tim Chester's approach, you know, um, what is it that you're really looking for? And if you can um, get, a, get a, a, a bigger vision of what life is about, um, and, and, and knowing who God is. And some people then benefit from and need uh, more mechanical help uh, with, with software 
that uh, alerts an, an accountability partner to what they're viewing on, uh, on the internet. And, you know, that, that sounds a scary, but uh, for some people who are desperate enough to change, uh, you know, it, 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 can be, it, can be, it can be helpful. And lastly, uh, just two further resources. One, uh, Addiction and I is, is uh, really uh, a, a portal for help uh, very accessible. Again, people can self-refer, get in touch. There's a, I think, 24-hour helpline that people can call to get quick help or contact with somebody. And then uh, Storis, I've heard about. I don't have a lot of direct dealings with the, uh, a Christian approach to addiction. Any, anybody here with experience of Storis? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry if you couldn't hear that and for the recording as well the lady was sharing a testimony of your father who was who benefited from the ministry of uh, Storus but again emphasizing that it was only when he was ready to to uh, receive the help and look for it. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um are there any other comments or questions about this before we take our first break? And don't forget, you can write things down if you don't want to uh, speak up in the larger group. Okay, let's take a break and come back in 15 minutes or so. Thank you. Thank you.